Well, today we get to finally hear Krishna's words. Although, I'm going to have to keep you just a little longer. The last verse that we talked about was chapter 2. We were on verse 7 in which Arjuna, after placing his dilemma before Krishna, finally says and asks Krishna, What is my right path? I am thy disciple. I take refuge in thee. And that is where we left it. That beautiful sentiment of that discipleship. Despite chaos within us, we know where the power really is coming from and where to place our dilemma, our doubts, our fears, our discouragement, our inabilities. And Arjuna rightfully places them before Krishna. However, he continues to say, For I see no way out of my dilemma. This affliction pounds my senses. It would persist even were I to attain untold riches and dominion. It would endure even were I to be placed in kingship over the gods. Again, a very subtle truth hidden here. You see, Arjuna is not just asking Krishna, what should I do? Uh, just tell me, should I fight or should I not fight? Because what he's saying is that this particular karmic tendency that I have, this power that has built up within me that naturally tends to draw me into doubt, uncertainty, fear. This is going to persist no matter what. Even if I were to say, okay, I think I should just fight. The idea here is that outward action, and this is where the subtle laws of karma comes in. Karma is not about going through a situation and a circumstance. Karma is intuitive understanding of what that situation means for us. What is the deeper truth and learning within it? So Arjuna here is saying that even if I were to, you know, become the king, receive untold riches, for us, when we place problems before God, it is usually with the hope that, just help me get through this quickly, just get me beyond this pain to where there is pleasure again. Get me beyond this problem where there is money again. Get me, you know, beyond Sorry. yeah, this uh, disharmony where there is harmony again. But that's not the point. In our uh, two satsangs ago, we were talking about karma. And, you know, I talked about it in the sense of this ability to pass through a circumstance and the ability to actually learn from a circumstance and I equated it to our education system this idea that we just have to pass an exam whether we learn from it or not who really cares you know as long as we pass it and this mentality is really how we live Arjuna however here is very aware he's saying even if I pass this problem I'm sure this issue, this doubt, this karma that's eating me up will persist. So I need you. See, that's why he needs God. He doesn't need God to tell him, what should I do? You know, just tell me what's the problem. How can I overcome it? How can I just pass through this issue? Can I quickly just give me the quick solution? And this is what we are constantly looking for. Arjuna, fortunately, and this is where we too will be, was saying, you know, I need, I'm, I'm placing myself in your refuge because no matter what I do, outwardly no matter what riches i gain no matter if everything turns out just right at the end i feel that this issue 
will still persist. And that is what he wants the solution of. Not really of the question, should I fight or not, but of what's really going on. And so let us see what is going on. Then we go back to now Sanjaya and Dhritarashtra. And Sanjaya, so you see this little, you know, the mind and introspection is always present. Let's not forget, you know, Krishna and Arjuna are the deeper aspects that our own introspection is revealing within us. And Sanjaya says to Dhritarashtra, having thus addressed Krishna, Arjuna declared further, I will not fight. So this is where Arjuna has pretty much left the ball. And then he says, Udhritarashtra, Sanjaya is still speaking, to him who, placed between the two armies, sat in lamentation, the Lord, as if smiling, spoke the following words. Again, you see how they are constantly reaffirming these, these subtler realities for us. Sanjaya now doesn't say, oh, and now that Arjuna has said he's not going to fight, Krishna is going to, Krishna thus speaks to him. He's, he, he words his sentences so beautifully. He says, to him who placed between the two armies, the Lord thus, as if smiling, very important, thus spoke the following words. So, Sanjaya is again reiterating for us that Krishna is not speaking to just anybody. Krishna is speaking to that devotee who has already withdrawn enough of his energy and is at the center of the two armies. He is already in the Shushumna. He is deep in meditation and that is where the Lord is communicating with the devotee. And this little section here, Yogananda in fact, um, our guru, he went deeply into this little section where it says, the Lord as if smiling. And uh, um, our guru says that in this moment, there is this real pleasure. God is very pleased by the complete surrender of the devotee. And uh, Yogananda goes ahead to say that even in the midst of this inner turmoil, when the devotee surrenders inwardly, he feels that inner smile of God. It's a reassurance within you. So it is Arjuna himself, it is Sanjaya who witnesses this smile, God both as a sign of pleasure or that he is pleased at our self-surrender and the devotee experiencing that smile as, ah, the Lord is here, it's going to work out. <laughs> And then the blessed Lord said, With words of love, this is Krishna speaking, You have been grieving over those who deserve no lamentation. The wise mourn neither for those who live on earth nor for those who leave it. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Krishna's not... He's compassionate, you see his words. He says, with words of love, you have been grieving over those who deserve no lamentation. Krishna is not really addressing uh, Arjuna's direct question. He's not, he's, if, if somebody were to come to me and, and I were to say to them, you know, I'm just, I don't know if I should do this or not. They'd really use a lot of kind of just 
practical you know krishna could easily sing listen duryodhan's tried to kill you many times remember as a child how many times he tried to poison you and he tried to drown bhima and you know and remember how we did that. i mean he's not saying and duryodhan's a really bad guy and it's very important that you do this krishna is completely and this is again the clue for us that what arjuna is this conversation isn't really about this war this conversation's far deeper and what krishna is trying to educate the devotee on has nothing particularly to do with whether i should kill somebody whether i should you know do violence is peace better than war krishna is addressing a far deeper truth because essentially what he's saying to arjuna arjuna even though your words are filled with love you're you have no idea what's going on you have no idea the nature of reality in the first place and that is the truth that krishna wants to address because if we look at the mahabharat it is not that you know from day 1 the pandavas were saying okay let's go to war they did everything they could to avoid war in fact krishna played the emissary the diplomat between the pandavas and the kauravas he'd go back and forth negotiating okay what if we just give them this much okay what if we even you know what if they just stay out of your way you rule the majority of the kingdom so they were constantly negotiating in a sense once our spiritual qualities begin to flower within us our downward world affirming qualities let's call them there's again these are not bad things these are just the habits we have generated for ourselves the tendencies we have created that just bind us to this world but those qualities they're very strong there's like uh 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 i'm not going to give these guys even a single you know finally what does duryodhan say i won't give them land where even a straw can sit for them to rule so duryodhan's made it absolutely clear that these upward tendencies have no place in my kingdom and so that is where we find ourselves and then we also have to look at another thing the the allegory the play the context here is of arjuna being a warrior now if a banker were to come you know deep in his meditation of a banker were to say you know i don't know if i should do this or if i should do that krishna is not like well i think you should go fight your boss uh, i think you oh, you are just don't worry about if anybody dies because nobody really dies i mean so that's not the point that krishna is making here he's obviously using the context of somebody who is a warrior so the battles both real and allegorical but it's again it's this inner battle that krishna wants us to be mindful of and then he goes on to tell us what is real nor are we here in this world for the first time i you these royal ones whose death you lament none of these has not lived here before nor shall any of them ever cease to be as the ego keeps the thread of self awareness unbroken through infancy childhood youth and old age so also the embodied soul maintains its awareness uninterruptedly not only through the stages of earth life but through the appearance of successive bodies so first he's laying the groundwork here he's like first of all arjuna whoever you consider yourself and in this particular case all these tendencies all these things that you're afraid to kill because you feel in killing them you will kill yourself 
These guys have been there, you've been there for a very, very long time. Again and again, you've been carrying these brothers and sisters of yours, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. As the ego goes unbroken from infancy to childhood to adulthood to old age, in the same way, even though the form is changing, the child is, you know, this tiny little thing. 10-12 years later, he's a, you know, on his way to become a teenager. I mean, they look entirely different, but we don't say, oh no, this can't be the same person because I remember him being in a tiny body. We know how the body grows, but we know the soul and the essence to remain the same. Such is the exact same process we've been progressing through lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And we are carrying these tendencies, these habits, these thought patterns, these samskars, these karmic uh, vortexes within us again and again and again and again. And none of this is new and none of this is not going to exist. O son of Kunti, sensations such as heat and cold, pleasure and pain are generated through the senses and their contact with the world. They are ideas only, transitory, each with its beginning and end. O descendant of Bharat, bear with them patiently. One who is calm and even-minded, never ruffled during pain and pleasure, he alone gains consciousness of his eternal existence. So Krishna is here asking us, okay, you think you know what's going on? You think you know who these people are? You think you that these tendencies have a reality of their own? You think your thought patterns have a reality of their own? That they exist as separate beings? Because in ourselves, you know, we think of ourselves as just one being, but we're very much three billion people inside, each one fighting the other for dominance. Sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm bad, sometimes I'm kind, sometimes I'm rude, sometimes I'm loving, sometimes I'm, you know, just unkind. And it's at each moment, one of these aspects takes control of our inner kingdom. And so we're fighting this battle constantly, no matter what. But what has happened is each of these tendencies have become so pronounced that they, they express an entirety of our consciousness within us. Oh, this is who I am. This is who I am. Our identification with them has become so strong. And Krishna is essentially saying, Oh, I know you're worried about the Kauravas, but he's saying pain or pleasure, neither of these two are real, nor the Kauravas, nor the Pandavas. Krishna is not even saying, oh, the elevated, you know, tendencies, that's, those are real, but the downward pulling tendencies are unreal. He's like, none of these two armies are real. First, you have to find what is your eternal existence, because all this is transitory. That which is unreal does not exist. That which is real cannot cease to exist. Those who possess wisdom know the final nature of reality, of what is and what is not. So once again, he's not relating to Arjuna at the level of his despondency, at the level of his doubts. He's really trying to lift Arjuna. He's trying to lift us up and say, okay, first know what's really going on. 
know and get to the essence of what is true within you before you begin to get swayed both by pleasure or pain, good or bad, happiness or sorrow. Neither of them have any reality within you. That indwelling self is ever changeless, imperishable and without limitation. Only these fleshly garments can be destroyed. Therefore, accept your duty and fight. One who considers his true and eternal self to be the slayer and who believes he himself in essence can be slain does not know truth. The true self can neither slay nor be slain. Here, Yogananda goes into an interesting trajectory. He talks about these tendencies and he says the same energy, the same life force that goes into hating something, when I transmute that habit, it is not that I have destroyed hate. It is I have withdrawn that life force from hate and I have moved it towards love. It is the same one life force. In physics, we'd say energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Similarly, these habits within us, it's not that we're slaying them, nor that we can be slain or aspects of ourselves can be slain. It is our ability to take that one truth, which in this particular case is the life force. The soul here is the essence of the being. And the essence of our tendencies of our karmas is the energy we have fed them. The more energy I have put into creating a habit, the more power that habit has and the more individual that habit becomes in me and the harder it is for me to fight that habit. But if I remove, if I withdraw that energy that I have given it lifetime after lifetime and I redirect that same life force because within me energy can neither be created nor destroyed. There is no, oh, oh, now I suddenly, you know, I've brought in love whereas before I had hate and have somehow taken hate outside of me. No, it's just that energy that was going down has been redirected and is going up. So Krishna is essentially saying none of your tendencies, none of these aspects of yourself to whom you are so identified, they're never going to disappear. It is only a matter of where your own life force is being directed. And he goes on, I don't want us to you know, repeat ourselves over and over again. He continues to say the self is neither born nor does it perish. He's really trying to establish in the devotee where is that highest truth so that I'm relating to that truth and not relating to this lower pull that's drawing me into doubt. Because again, as I said, it's not about telling me what to do or telling us what to do. It is understanding what is truth that will help us overcome our karmas. Weapons cannot cut the soul, fire cannot burn it, water cannot drown it, wind. I mean, just beautiful, poetic, deeply impactful words, of course. But I want to continue because uh, we've heard these words and it's, it's good to know, but it's, it's, it's similar, it's a little repeti repetitive. Even, however, if you prefer to think of the self as perishable, <laughs> this is now Krishna entering into another, <laughs> into another level. Okay, let's assume that the self is perishable. Let's assume that you could kill these people. 
why grieve <laughs> this seems you know don't think of krishna as discompassionate or uncompassionate in any way even though his words are strong what is born must die whatever dies must be born again why lament at which that which cannot be avoided again he wants us to really get to that impersonal impartial state of what we would call the watcher the observer and just see both these both these armies and this is what krishna is trying to help us see don't just look at the kauravas and wonder why should i kill them look at both the armies as equal both pain and pleasure are just going through the same process and anything which is transitory anything which is perishable it is going to die but look at what he says that which is born must die so if a habit has been created eventually that habit that tendency is going to go that which dies must be born again so he's talking about reincarnation not just of the body and of the soul but again as i talked about the hate becomes love the rudeness becomes kindness the laziness becomes will power that which was born dies that which dies is born anew again and again the periods before birth and after death are veiled from from your gaze you are conscious only of that which is visible to your senses so again he's reminding us of the very limited and narrow view of life and of ourselves that we have if i can't see it if i can't touch it if i can't smell it if i can't taste it then it can't be true some people i love this one some people behold the soul in amazement others describe the experience of it as marvelous still others hearing and listening proclaim it to be wonderful the rest even if they hear all about it comprehend it not at all so krishna is talking about the different layers and again he's establishing who i'm speaking to here the rest he's saying some do this some do that some do this the rest so let's first look at the rest the rest even if they hear about the soul comprehend it not at all then there is another layer some hearing about it listening about it proclaim it to be wonderful we're more in that category ah oh, the soul is really you know you know the soul it's really amazing we have no idea what we're talking about but the soul and you know the soul it just sounds good the astral worlds and the cosmic causal worlds and how many chakras i have you know we're in the, we're in that category at least we've moved on from the rest where we're like kya soul bol raha hai yaar we're in the hearing and the listening of it others some describe the experience of it as marvelous and behold the soul in amazement this is the this is the state we want to get to the experience of it is marvelous and you behold it in amazement not just hearing and listening and say bahut badhiya bahut badhiya you know and this is where arjuna is in the bahut badhiya so he's his wisdom is false 
His justification is based on a much lower understanding. And again, because Krishna is talking to the devotee, he's not talking to your everyday banker, lawyer that just says, should I fight this case or should I not fight this case? This is not who Krishna is addressing. He's addressing he who is in the center of the two armies. Now, this is another very deep subject. Let's see what Krishna says here. This is verse 31 and 32. Even when viewed personally. So, first Krishna starts with the real impersonal. The soul, it's imperishable. What are you talking about? No one dies. No one is born. Nothing exists other than that imperishable reality that is me. Grand. Then he says, as I said, even if you think the self is perishable, and what are you talking about? Everything that's born is going to die. Everything that dies is born again. I mean, you see this cycle. You're seeing this process go over and over. So he's now, he's helping us relate to worldly wisdom as well. Like you've seen, you were born, you're going to die. You had health, you will have disease. You were feeling really good the other day. And today you're feeling down. So he's helping us see, well, duality exists, brother. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Why are you lamenting the presence of duality right now? And now he takes it even further to the individual level. And he says, even when viewed personally, from a standpoint of one's dharmic duty, and this is very, very applicable to us because we're, we're not in the beholding the soul in amazement. <laughs> we're more in the hearing and the listening of the soul. There is no occasion for either grief or hesitation. If we're talking about your dharmic duty, you can't be hesitating or giving into grief. Nothing is more proprietous, propricious, sorry, than for a kshatriya whose duty is to fight for righteousness, to battle for what is right and true. Blessed and fortunate are you if you must give even your life for such a cause, such a death will open to you the gates of heaven. Let's talk a little bit about this because Krishna here is introducing the concept of the castes, the Varnas. You know, you've got the Shudra, you've got the Vaishya, you've got the Kshatriya, you've got the Brahmin. Now, of course, as a warrior, um, Arjuna represents the Kshatriya class, but Yogananda said that this caste system was never an outward system. It had nothing to do with where you were born, what was your outer responsibility or work. It always had to do with where your consciousness is. So the caste system was, it was given to us by Manu. And Manu lived in, the, in Satya Yuga. In Satya Yuga, this, these were intuitively understood processes because it was, oh, if your consciousness is at the Shudra level, your next step is to bring your consciousness to Vaishya. A Shudra cannot jump to become a Brahmin. And so they created, you can say, a hierarchy of consciousness so that at each step, you know what's your next step. What will bring you to your next natural upward step towards in the ladder of evolution. So let's look at the Shudra. Now the Shudra outwardly is represented as a peasant, as a farmer, as a laborer. So the idea here is the Shudra 
works with the body and the shudra works with the ground so this is not the work he does but it is where his reality is for a shudra reality is fixed it is form based so the shudra is only concerned with what roti kapda makan that you i'm fed that i have a place to live and i have you know clothes on my back and i mean in this particular case pleasure uh, sexual especially because the shudra represents our lower two chakras so the shudra is not going to think beyond what more can i do how can i make this better he's only going to you know because he works with the earth and this has nothing to do with farmers just to again reiterate it means his head is always down he always looks right here he has tunnel vision he only knows what he knows and he knows not else so the shudra's level of consciousness is the lowest it is most matter bound and the shudra only puts out energy if he is in fear so it is oh, if i don't go and work hard you know i won't have my basic needs so he puts out energy but once he has put that much energy and he's met his basic needs he will not put any more energy out the shudra is not interested in experiencing higher states of awareness so in us there's enough of a shudra you see these castes are not also cast in stone i expressed shudra consciousness several times during the day where only if narayani says if you're not going to do this you won't get any lunch then i'll say okay i'm going to do it and i don't want to do it i'm not interested in doing it but it's the fear it's a punishment that will result in not doing it it is something you won't gain in not doing it so i put the energy out um when i'm lazy when i'm not interested in you know doing anything not moving do just the absolute minimum i mean how many of us have those moments i mean are most of us go to work from a shudra mentality which is like if i don't go to work how will i survive so that's the shudra caste here you then move to the vaishya caste now a vaishya caste is represented by the merchant by the businessman because the vaishya which is our next two chakras but in fact it includes the second so shudra is first and second vaishya is more second and third so second is energy because it's our creativity that's where our sexual energy comes from so it is actually life force and creativity coupled by the third chakra which is will power and effort so the vaishya is willing to put out a lot of energy willing to be very creative willing to say i want something better but he is very self serving the vaishya will say tu ye de mujhe to main tere ko ye dunga he's very um, you know transactional and we are really i mean vaishya is probably the biggest consciousness in the world today in fact vaishya is the consciousness of dwapara yuga which is where we are because is the is the age of energy and that's what the vaishya does he's willing to put a lot of energy i mean you look around right now it's the businessmen that are our idols that are the heroes in the world you know they are the ones we look up to they are the successful people we aspire to be and so they are very intelligent but they're also very self serving you know one hand's giving but only if you know at the same time another hand is taking so that's the vaishya consciousness 
then we come up to and so the vaishya as i said so the shudra works if out of fear the vaishya works out of gain what will i gain from this even in our own meditations we are vaishyas i'm going to meditate if you give me experiences if you show me the inner light if you give me that peace if you help me overcome all my problems so that's the vaishya consciousness now i come to the kshatriya consciousness the kshatriya consciousness is that of service seva to do for others rather than for yourself and it represents the warrior why so the warrior now is both the third chakra and the fourth chakra so there's energy will power self control but it is lifted up by the heart which is compassionate loving giving so the kshatriya's job is to include in himself in his own reality larger people uh, a larger reality of others this is what he uh, krishna says nothing is more proprietous for than for a kshatriya whose duty is to fight for righteousness to battle for that which is right and true so this is why we think of soldiers you know because what are soldiers they are disciplined they are doing something that really does not serve them i mean they're supposed to be laying their lives down for us so this idea of the warrior and the king and that is why kings were in charge you see the brahmans were not and i want to get to the brahman the brahmans were not so much in charge although the kings were constantly receiving from the brahman but it was the king's duty to maintain the kingdom and the people because it's the kshatriya's job to figure out how to serve and how to include other people in this greater reality the kshatriya puts out a lot of energy but not for himself so the kshatriya yogananda explained is truth seeking he is seeking truth and he fights for that which is right and true now each of us have to become a kshatriya in our spiritual lives before krishna is going to speak to us before we get to this point where arjuna is right now you cannot be a shudra in your spiritual consciousness which again often and enough times we are it's like okay i'll okay i'll meditate but only because you know in especially in our path let's put it in our path context you know there's this um, <laughs> misconception that kriya is somehow the end goal the kriya receiving kriya initiation so everybody is like okay you know i have to get kriya uh, if i get kriya it's like somehow some magic will happen and everything will fix itself so they're not so interested in really establishing a very deep inner relationship with god they're like i have to get kriya and so there's like unless uh, and because we have these you know certain requisites like you need to be meditating this much you need to be energizing you need to be doing these things there's this tendency to do that we lost we lost the internet anyway there's this tendency to do that um only because there is fear that i will not finally then receive my kriya initiation so that's a very shudra kind of the punishment is like i will punish you if you don't do this 
and a lot of us tend to give in to our spiritual practices in from that perspective then of course there's the vaishya one which is more the normal tendency which we have is like i'm meditating because there'll be a great benefit from my meditation and i'll only meditate if i feel the benefit and when i'm not feeling the benefit then i'm going to move on to the next practice and see what that benefit is going to give me then i'll go to the next healing session and see what that benefit so it's a very transactional you give me this then i'll give you my energy and my time if you don't give me anything forget it i'm going to find the next person who can give me something the kshatriya is saying i'm here for truth and for what is right and we have to get to that stage in order for us to get to where the gita actually relates to us and that is why this scripture is so deep and so profound and that it's it has nothing to do with just oh arjuna you know uh, this this battle and you just have to fight because you are a kshatriya and you are a soldier and tune kasam khai hai it has nothing to do with this is like wait if you are really if as a kshatriya you are really interested in truth if you are really interested in what is right then you have to do this there's just no way about it you can't come back to a vaishya a uh, consciousness here this is what krishna is saying you can't fall to a vaishya consciousness here where you're wondering about what will i get and will this be right and will it all work out at the end no this you have to and this this line is again very beautiful blessed and fortunate are you if you must give even your life for such a cause for such a death will open you open to you the gates of heaven now there are two meanings here one of course he's just talking poetically that you have to just give it your all and as a warrior even in that time on a physical level as a warrior if you do your duty you attain the highest reward of having done your duty but subtly spiritually what krishna is saying that for the devotee if the devotee can stay true to his path until death later on in the in the bhagavad gita krishna says he who in the moment of his death you know thinks of me immediately comes to me after death so here he is essentially saying that if you can maintain this consciousness of yours this search for truth even if you don't attain it but if you maintain it until death if death is the final sacrifice you make staying true to your spiritual journey the gates of heaven will open to you essentially he's saying you will have attained that which you are looking for if not in this life but right after it and while this seems like oh that's good and easy to do in fact it's not easy to do most people a lot of people their interest in truth their interest in god begins to wane as time goes on and their interest in phenomena in experience in life becoming easier in miraculous healings happen that's what starts to increase and they think if that's not happening then i'm not on the right track so they just shop around they don't remain kshatriyas they fall from most of us start a kshatriya because that deep desire within us to say i have to know who i am i just have to know what's going on so we start our spiritual journey there but very easily we fall back into the vaishyas like well if it's oh it's been 3 days i've been meditating nope 
didn't see the spiritual eye yet let's see you know maybe the other guy knows maybe this other guy on television knows better you know it's just it's very easy this next healing technique is going to finally be the one you know this affirmation will do it for me so this is talking about that level of commitment that is required take one affirmation and take it to death if need be because then the gates of heaven will open take your path and be a kshatriya till the very end then you get to become a brahman now a brahman here since just to finish this whole flow is he who has attained the state of brahman no longer truth seeking but truth living and truth sharing none of us even if you think here we are sharing truth we're not there we're still kshatriyas we're still just fighting for truth trying to penetrate trying to cut through being the disciplined warrior as much as you can be because this is what the warrior needs most that fire that energy that discipline to keep at it that's where we most of us are and we're trying to get to the brahman stage and the brahman stage is finally where you know truth not he who can recite the mantras and do the pujas and the yagyas and he who wears the you know janayu it has nothing to do with where you were born who were your father was it has to do completely with your consciousness and throughout the day where we vacillate however there is one base consciousness that we've brought into this life that we've worked on successively and that is our caste and arjuna's caste is kshatriya our caste is kshatriya right now we are warriors right now we've not yet attained the truth that we are seeking but we are fighting for truth and there even though we have the live session has stopped we're going to stop there and uh, i'd like narayani to sum up for us because i don't think we'll get to the chanting of the om where well, you spoke about many interesting points and i wrote down four of them at the beginning shurja was explaining how so many of us really focus so much on the karma itself that we need to overcome and we want to get rid of and we want for god to materialize himself and just demolish and put that karma away from our life because it's very disturbing and quite the opposite in fact we should focus more on what are we learning from that karma so it's just to change the our perception about that rather than focusing on the karma itself rather give more emphasis on what i'm learning here and that should be your primary prayer to god to your guru to the divine help me to learn what i need to learn in this situation in this way you'll be able to understand things faster the other point that i really like was about surrender and surrender doesn't come where we have no other choice and i just might as well i'm just going to give up and surrender whatever it happens not at all in fact surrender is dynamic is actually when we have a choice and we choose to cooperate to embrace that situation willingly 
and joyfully. Surrender means to cooperate with God's will. And that takes a lot of courage. So look for those situations where you know you have so much resistance to it, but rather than just say whatever, you know, just put more willpower and say, you know, okay, this belongs to me, this situation, let me find a way where I can embrace it and just align myself with God's will because I know there is something for me here and as Arjuna, the more we give ourselves to Krishna, the more he can guide our lives. The other point that you've also brought out I really liked about how much energy we give to certain tendencies over a period of lifetimes. So if we have been feeding anger and greed, that's the kind of personality we bring with us in this lifetime. So we have the power to really take charge of our lives and change our own personalities in a period of just a few years. If we redirect that energy, if we want to be kinder, let's start putting more energy into acts of kindness, into sharing and speaking with words that mean kindness in just everything about us should emanate kindness. And I'm telling you, those actions with a combination of meditation can really transform you in a saint just in a period of very few years. It's a matter of redirecting our energy. And the last, the last point, it was um, we need to experience the teachings. We need to experience what the scriptures say. It's not about reading nice sounding words that seem magical, but they are so far away from our, our rich. Spirituality needs to become a practical daily practice in our lives. So start practicing more consciously, consciously what the scriptures say about you know being centered what the scripture says about surrender about willpower about developing courage about being kinder about being mm, non-attached non so many different uh, ways that we have to make of these scriptures of these teachings something real, something tangible, something that we can really work on within us on a regular basis. So if there is any specific line that has really touched you uh, by reading that scripture, that shloka, that specific paragraph, try to find the practical action that will help you to develop that specific quality and state of consciousness that you want to develop because every real scripture has something practical and in fact it's helping us to shape 
our lives and eventually make saints of each one of us. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you. Have a fabulous day ahead and uh, many blessings from on behalf of Krishna to all of us. <laughs>